Chapter 3 Buster and I followed Papa, cutting across Grayson's Branch, a dry creek that could fill up in minutes during a storm. Buster lagged behind, nose to the ground, sniffing, then off again, chasing fleeing shadows. We emerged from the woods behind the Payne Chapel African Methodist Episcopal Church and started down the east-west railroad tracks. It was only about a quarter of a mile to our farm, but between the church and the house, we came upon a train stopped on the tracks about a mile from the crossroads. It was facing west, so the train had come from the east, Pensacola, or maybe even Jacksonville, Florida. This must be the train I'd heard from down in the hollow, I whispered to myself. The engine heaved big sighs. It looked like it was crouched and ready to spring into motion. Loud hissing escaped from its underbelly, followed by billows of steam. I moved closer to get a look at who was on that train. The moon cast enough light for me to see that four cars were filled with Indians, men, women, and children. There were old women with leathery brown skin, young men with dark, angry eyes, and there were children who looked poorly. They weren't Seminole Indians like Mama's grandmother or Creek or any other Indian I'd seen before. There was a fifth car, which was for the soldiers, and two more for the soldiers' horses and other livestock. Buster came charging out of the woods, asking questions and sharp barks. Papa went to the first soldier, who was standing by one of the coaches, and introduced himself and me. I was glad Papa was more interested in finding out the, about the train and its passengers than paying attention to Buster's barking, which was getting louder and louder. Private Josiah Meeks here, the soldier announced. We got us a load of Apaches. The soldier spat tobacco juice to the side. Meanest bunch of cutthroats who ever walked on two feet, he added. Heard tell of them, said Papa not in his head. Come through Mobile a while back, caused quite a stir then. Wasn't they being held over at Fort Pickens in Pensacola? That's strange, I thought. Papa had never mentioned anything about Apaches before. But then again, he wouldn't talk about them unless they had something to do with food, clothing, or the farm. Yep, the soldier hurried on. I've been guarding them at Fort Pickens every sticky hot day since they got here in October few months shy of two years then. They going back to where they came from? The government ain't never letting them go back to the Southwest, Private Meek said. Eyes narrowed. Not in this life. We taking them to Mount Vernon, about 30 miles north of Mobile here. Just waiting for word that the southbound tracks are clear. Next week, I'm out of this man's army and I'm going to go back to Ohio and not coming south of the Mason-Dixon line against this side of judgment. Amen. A civilian stepped out of the fifth coach, dressed much like the Apaches. He had on a plain white shirt, a vest, brown trousers, and knee-high boots. Although he wasn't an Indian, he wasn't like the other white men. I was surprised when the soldiers addressed him as Mr. Ratton, because he looked to be no more than 21 years old. And when Mr. Ratton snapped an order, the troops moved swiftly 
and unlocked and opened the third coach. Through the open window, I heard Mr. Ratton speak to one of the Indians in what I supposed was Apache. Then he spoke again in English. Come, Geronimo. The face of the woman across from Geronimo, Geronimo was creased with concern. She jumped to her feet saying something to Mr. Ratton I couldn't make out. It sounded like a question. A boy sitting next to Geronimo seemed to be worried too. Mr. Ratton answered in a calming and respectful voice. Nothing bad is going to happen to Geronimo, he said, speaking to the boy. Then he turned to the woman saying, Lozen, we're moving here to the front court couch, that's all. So Lozen was her name, I thought. The fact that she stood up to defend Geronimo when none of the other women did made me curious. There was something special about Lozen. I searched my head for the right word to describe her, and I settled on strong, strong like Mama, determined. Four armed guards came to take Geronimo on the short walk from the third to the first coach. One man in the front, two on each side, and one in the back. Though surrounded by soldiers, Geronimo showed no signs of submission, no fear of his captors. Nobody had to tell me he was a person the soldiers had reason to fear. Yet, he didn't seem so frightening to me. Lozen and Geronimo were very much like the slaves Papa had told me about, the ones who showed no fear of their white masters, the ones the masters called crazy when they fought back or when they couldn't break their spirit. I got a good look at the old warrior as he came down the steps of the coach, his head rested squarely on his shoulders the same way, yet the same way Papa held his. There was a sureness in his walk, and a straightness in his back that reminded me very much of Papa, yet the two men looked nothing alike. Geronimo was right at six feet, solidly built, muscular, unlike Papa, who was splinter-thin, much taller, more leggy, but yet strong in his own way. And that's where we'll stop for today.